if you're grateful, you can't be judgmental. Mm. They just can't merge. Yeah. Ready to go learn how to live healthier, wealthier, and wiser as an artist in showbiz? Hey, I'm Lara Bianca Pilcher. I'm crazy about helping artists to live out their creative dreams and nurture themselves at the foundation of their creative career. I'm an artist and actor and showbiz educator with over 20 years in the arts and entertainment industry in London, Australia, and now Atlanta, USA. I'm here to show you how to navigate this topsy-turvy world called showbiz, uncover the secrets of success, unlocking the powerful artist you are. I've done a lot, performed, worked in TV, film, radio, stage, produced, directed, choreographed, acting, singing, voice work, musical theatre, dance company, toured, moved, casting, auditioned, self-taped, teaching, press, critics, branding, marketing, side hustles, and all the hoo-ha, while maintaining a happy marriage with two gorgeous kids. And there will only be real talk here, friends. Think of this podcast as a masterclass in helping you build your creative career, while also learning how to holistically navigate the artist's life. This is the Healthy, Wealthy, Wise Artist Podcast. A performer's greatest fear. They walk on stage, preparing to dance, sing, act, but they are frozen. Elma Canefield experienced this firsthand when she was a singer in New York, when she was unable to make a sound at an audition. She wanted to know why. Soon after this incident, Canefield, a licensed clinical social worker, became a specialist in the psychology of the performing arts. And for decades, she has helped hundreds of artists in New York City and around the world with the challenges that they face. Now her methods are the subject of a new self-published book called Hamlet's Mirror, which is now out and available where books are sold. Welcome, Elma. Best because we're just improvising. <laughs> and improv is the secret to life because it means being present, yes. That's so true. You know, I just finished reading your book yesterday and I kid you not, I felt like you were reading my soul. It was so powerful. It's like this woman really knows performers. And so I'm so glad to get to talk to you because I think you've, in your book, you know, captured the essence of performers more than any other book I've read. It really, really spoke to me. <laughs> There's so many things I need to ask you. <laughs> That is one of the most meaningful things that you could say to me. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, I love that you, you know, I, I think anybody that would dedicate their life, their life's work, their legacy to performers and something that's so needed. I mean, we say it all around the world that performers desperately need Um, a special kind almost of psychology, a special kind of understanding because it's a very unique, you know what I mean, experience that we go through. Oh, my God. Um, People ask me all the time, are performers different than other people? That's (laughs) what, you know, you're another, the other. Yeah. And I say, read the book. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now I can say that. Yeah. Um, But yes, Mm. uh, performers are different for many reasons. And I think the initial reason is because 
they knew from such an early age what they wanted to do and who they are. Mm. That's a good thing. And I, sometimes um, an inhibiting thing because many performers didn't really have a childhood. True. You're a performer. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, that's why it spoke to me so much. Mm -hmm. What what exactly resonated? Can may I ask you? Yeah. Well, the thing is, is I have I am a singer, dancer, actress, so musical theatre, and so a lot of the examples spoke to me because there were so many things and the very moment that you walked out on stage and nothing came out, I've had that experience in an audition, except a sound came out, but it wasn't my true voice. It was like um airy and breathy and full of it was in inhibition like it was just shut down but one of the things further in your book you talk about is often we don't really look at as performers why you know why did that happen what is the thing inside of us that's the you know maybe the greater fear um I might not be articulating it as well as you have to read the book people but like the, the greater fear and I started to sit with that for a minute and think what what caused that? Yes. Why, why did I allow the stakes to be so high, if you know what I mean? Why do we do that? Why do we make our life depend on it as performers? Yes. Beautiful uh, reflection. Mm-hmm. Once you figure that out, you say, hmm, this is not the stage. Yeah. This is something I need to work through personally. Mm-hmm. And you work it through and you go back to the stage and you have a ball. Yeah, that's true. And it should be fun, shouldn't it? Oh, my God. should be. Well, I'm going to dive in and ask you, what is performance potential? Because I related to so many of the sections. And, I mean, it's a big question. So I summarize it because, obviously, you, you spend a lot of the book going through what is performance potential but what was one way you can express to our listeners what performance potential is um the best way that i can really explain it as you say is to ask you and your listeners yeah to close your eyes I do this all the time with, with when I think about it. Hmm. And think of that special uniqueness that you hold inside that you maybe never ever articulated, even to yourself. Because it's different for everyone. And now, maybe you've allowed it to percolate, kind of, Mm. inside you. And I can give you my definition and see if that resonates. Okay. Okay. I look at performance potential as being and doing Mm. the best you can be at the, at the moment of performance, at the moment of doing it. Yes. Knowing what you know 
at that moment. Mm -hmm. Because we can't know what we don't know. That's true. When I performed on that disastrous time, yeah, I didn't know what I know now. So we grow in our knowing and our potential abilities change. Mm. So that's a very important dimension of potential. So we don't beat ourselves up. Yeah. So if we don't, if we fall short, let's say, of doing and being the best that we can be, we can learn and not criticize. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. Did you come up with something different than you thought you would come up with? No, when I visualized that, I, there was a memory of an experience where I was, I felt I was in my performance potential. Um, okay. And it felt so electrifying and alive. And that's the feeling I always want to feel when I Good. perform. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was exactly what you said. There was that moment of, wow, this is the best I could be in this moment. And I'm so proud of that moment. Um, oh. You know, when you're, when you're, Fear is there, yes, you know, nerves are there, yes, but they don't stop you. They don't distract you. Um, that, that's excitement. That's excitement, yeah. It's an adventure and it's fantastic. <laughs> yes, it's, it's really fantastic. And, I, I mean, that's the place I think we always want to be in. And, you know, I love what you said. This is the funny thing. There's this quote in your book that rejection, the most predictable part of performing, is an integral and expected aspect of the performing process. Yet when we're not chosen, many feel worthless and undeserving. And I just stopped for a minute because I thought, that's so true, is that it's like, it's so predictable. It's, it's the most predictable part of being a performer. And yet we still get triggered every single time we're rejected to feel worthless, unworthy, undeserving and all those horrible things. Why do we do you think, go through that? And, and what are the, the empowering ways? You talk about four empowering ways of thinking. What are the four empowering ways we should aim to be thinking as performers? Well, you brought up rejection. Yeah. And let's look at that. One of the empowering ways is not to take it personally. Mm-hmm. Because rejection has to be normalized yeah. in your business. Mm -hmm. It's the most predictable. No, sorry. Yeah. We've gone another way. Uh, you're a little short. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're looking for a blonde. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've decided to cast a male in the role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's beyond our control. Mm -hmm. You were great. We'll, we'll call you in again. It's still rejection. Yeah, true. So until we can accept that we chose, you chose this business. Yeah. And not take it personally. Thank you. 
Mm. Any notes? Can yeah. I learn from this? That's good. Yeah. Minds, it's this shift of mindset, isn't it? I, oh, I think yeah. we want to be as performers the exception to the rule. They choose us, you know, regardless of whether they wanted a blonde, they'll choose. Yes. You know. yeah. <laughs> but that does, it's not how it works. It, and it's, yeah, it's not personal so often. And so often we don't know. And I think that internal monologue starts ticking, doesn't it? And it's, yeah. it makes up stories that are not true. <laughs> I call head stories. Yes, I remember reading that part. Yeah. And how do they serve you? They can. Mm. You know, this is not about me. It's their people. They can have choice. I chose this business. Yeah. In the book, I have a mantra, which I live by all the time. Yes. Performer or not. And it goes, I usually have people stand up and dance. (laughs) Yes. And I think I know what it is. (laughs) What? What? When you change your thinking, you would change what you're doing. Am I right or wrong? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because it's true. Yeah. If you go into an audition, let's say, or do a tape or whatever the process is today. Are you in Australia? Yes, I am. Oh, I'm not. I'm in America. I'm in Atlanta, but I'm an Australian. Okay. Yeah. If you do a tape, let's say. Mm Mm-hmm. And think, oh, my God, if I don't get this, this could be the end. Yeah. Or this could make my career. Mm. How does that serve you? True. Yeah. I'm going to do this tape and hope for the best. It'd be a great gig. But it's one in so many. Mm. So when you change what you're thinking, you will change what you're doing. That's good. Yeah. That's process thinking. Mm-hmm. When you don't cling to a result yeah. or an outcome and stay in the moment, stay present, ad-lib, mm-hmm. ad-lib your life. Yeah. Have a result that you'd like, maybe work to that goal, but do it Sanhan way, bit by bit. That's lovely. Yeah. Because really, how else do we live? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can live in a little tunnel and be so narrow and unable to be flexible and creative and yeah does that work yeah that's true I love what you're saying because you talk about um when you change your thoughts this is another section you work through the diva syndrome you become unstuck yeah you change what you do you change your behavior you change your performance Yes. And I really loved that. Like, how do you define the diva syndrome? Well, the diva syndrome was the first title to the book, Hamlet's Wow, that's a great title. (laughs) I know. It was the greatest title. I fell in 
love with the title. Mm -hmm. Something I learned you never do. You never fall in love with anything like that. Um, I used to lecture on ships on it. And uh, I I gave a live presentation at NYU. People were snoring. Oh, wow. Because it's so depressing. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it prevents performers from reaching their potential. Mm. It's everything that um, really stands in your way from getting what you want. The diva syndrome, I call it a condition of patterns. Fight or flight. Um going for the results, uh, Mm. thinking so critically and judgmentally, um, taking everything so personally. Yeah. Everything that will get you in a circle, nowhere. Yeah. And in my work, for about four decades now, I was able to identify four performer personality profiles. Mm-hmm. And it is the basis, the diva syndrome is the basis for the first two. Right. Yeah. And this is the problem ridden performer and the pugnacious. pugnacious performer. Problem ridden performer and pugnacious performer. So the diva syndrome is the basis of these two. Yeah. Yeah. And it is filled with a kind of energy. Mm-hmm. The um, problem ridden is fearful, depressed, despairing energy. Yeah. Uh, Flight energy and the pugnacious is filled with fight energy. Mm. You can get performers initially up there, but then nobody wants to work with them. That's true. That is so true. Mm. And so they kind of, what's going on? Mm hmm. They can't look at themselves. Yeah. Self-awareness, consciousness, reflection, all those internal processes Mm. allow all of us to really reach our performance potential. Yeah. And I love that because quite often we're shooting blind because we want to reach it, but nobody's really defined it until I read your book and how, like here is actually the things that might be standing in your way of reaching it. And I had fun actually, speaking of the, the four um, personality profiles or types, I had a lot of fun because I thought of the people I know, you know <laughs> in those, which is always fun. But of course I thought of myself and, you know, reflecting where am I sitting and where do I want to be and what yeah. might be holding me back, which is the more important work. But I, I've worked with a lot of performers that fit the different categories, so I had a little chuckle because it was quite entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pugnacious comes to mind. Yes, I did work with someone in London that was like that. And my goodness, he, 
was a celebrity and but it was horrible to work with him and yeah. I just thought about it and I thought he's there because of his celebrity but he no one wants to be around him and in life in the long run don't you want the connections over the you know the work in the long run we don't want to be lonely um but yeah he was a terribly critical person but his story um you know and his background it made a lot of sense. He he had been homeless and became a performer from there. So he had fight, you know, and I think when you realise people's stories sometimes, like as you do, and you, you sit and you listen, you realise there's there's grace for some of the reasons why we are the way we are. Yeah. And, yeah, and extending that grace but also saying, come on, you've got to get out of this place and move forward. And run for the hills. <laughs> yes, because it's not fun being around you. I really love that. There's another beautiful thing I just wanted just to lean into a little. Is I loved your definition of possibility-driven thinking, which yes. was the art of seeing obstacles as opportunities, problems as possibilities, and mistakes as learning. Yeah. And that's so true. Like one of the most exciting things about being on stage is when a mistake happens is that, whoa, like I get a great adventure out here. Like how are we going to overcome this together? And that's actually a very exciting part. That's why we do all the years of impro and all of those sorts of things um, rather than panic and freeze and, and shut down. But tell me a little bit more about what a possibility-driven thinker might be like. What are a few aspects of them? Well, can I get personal? Yes, absolutely. Okay. 30 years ago, I lost a grandson. Hmm. And his brother today just had a baby girl. Mm. Wow, congratulations. And he named her after this grandson. Oh, wow. So there's a possibility of healing. Yeah. And I thought, whoever... When my grandson died, whoever thought joy would happen again, mm. it has. Incredible. Yeah. I, I don't know if that responds to your question. Yeah. No, I, I get it because what you're saying is you're drawing a parallel in that, you know, there was a dark night of the soul and there is grief. But now there is a new season and it's, look at the possibilities moving forward. Look at, this, look at the redemption of, of this story. It's really beautiful. And so it's a mindset, isn't it? it of is. going, there is possibility, there is hope, yes. there is a future. Yes. Mm, that's beautiful. I do a group. Um, it started when COVID started. Um, performers who my treat would call me and say, Oma, I can't pay you. Mm. And I said, listen, am I supposed to twiddle my thumbs? Are you supposed to twiddle your thumbs? Yeah. So I looked and I picked 12 um, performers from different genres, dancers, musical theater, opera singers, actors, and we started a pro bono group called Artists in the Time of COVID. 
Wow, nice. And it's still going. As far as I'm concerned, it can go forever. It yeah. It's the most beautiful. That is. Mm. Connected group of artists who might not even have known about each other's art form. Yeah. That's a possibility. True. Um, and we were talking about uh, gratitude around Thanksgiving. And in the book, I talk about if you're grateful, you can't be judgmental. Mm. Just can't merge. Yeah. And one of the artists in the group said, yes, I learned so much from this group. <laughs> said, yes. And I hope this isn't a betrayal of confidence, but it was mm. so brilliant. Yeah. He said, yes, that's true. But I think of gratitude as a way of thinking. Mm. And I thought, absolutely. It's greater than just not being judgmental. Mm. It is a way of thinking. That's true. Isn't yeah. That beautiful? That's beautiful. It's a hope, a hope-filled way of thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually very beautiful. They've they've hit something on the head with that one. <laughs> My second edition will include that. <laughs> I love that you're thinking about that. I love that already. I want to ask you a few um, questions that are a little fun as we close. Um, and then we'll, t- we'll talk about where listeners can get your book oh, because it's it should be on every performer's bookshelf for sure. Um, or nightstand might be a better place where they actually will pick it up and read it daily. Okay. A little, um, a few questions that are not quite on book, <laughs> but, but are quite fun anyway. Okay. Um, what is one way that performers can put in their week to be healthy, wealthy, wise, like just as a, as a healthier performer in general, what is one thing we should do? There's probably millions, but just one thing from your book of wisdom um, that you think we should be putting into our daily practice. Fun. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That's so true. I would not have thought you'd said that, but that is so true. That's true for everyone. Yeah. I love it because we can get so intense about our oh. art. Especially if you live in a place like New York, as I've lived in London, and like you're surrounded with artists that think like you, and it feeds sometimes the the unhealthy side of yes, not fun. getting out and having fun, and yeah, fun, really good, love that. What's on your heart for performers at this time, just in general, at this time in history? What would you say is on your heart for performers? Um, that you have patience with yourself. Hmm. COVID has really um, changed things. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a show, people are getting COVID left and right. The show yeah. might go up, not go up. Uh, you might get sick. Mm. That you really have patience. Mm. It's a really funny time now. There's this... RSV or whatever it's called. Mm. Are you struggling with that? Yeah. 
Mm. And there's the flu. Yep. <laughs> We've been having un- that. Yes. There's uncertainty. Yeah. More uncertainty than there usually is. Mm-hmm. And you just have patience. It's not about you. Mm. It's true. That's for it. everybody. Yeah. All of this is for everybody. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And not to panic about opportunities and it's that place of just trusting the unfolding of where we are in life it's a hard place to come to but that's something it's taken me years to learn yes that I'm not going to miss out what's meant to be mine will be mine I trust that now you know um okay in one more question for you actually and it's just completely different but what's a fun fact about you speaking of fun just one fun fact about you outside of your writing and your work with performers. My dogs. I love that. How many? You said dogs. Is there more than one back there? Yes. No, there's, I have a Havapoo. That's oh, all. cute. And mm. I have a Cop Kevishan who's sitting in her bed guarding a toy. Oh, I love I, it. I love I it. I love my dogs. And I read in your book that you did have another little gorgeous dog that was on your lap for many years before they went yes. to doggy Brava. heaven. Yes. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. I got um, Aria. I, I, I love dogs, so I always have two. Love it. I'm of the age when Brava died, I thought, what am I waiting for? Mm-hmm. So I got this little menace. <laughs> <laughs> and that's... It's good. Two is good. They keep each other company. What do you do to have fun, may I ask? Yeah, well, I have two little ones. So I think you naturally, when you've got little kids, you do all the things like go to the Christmas parades and the fates and the festivals oh. and the bouncy castles. You know what I mean? There's the Christmas concerts. You do all the stuff yes. when you've got little ones. And so they're only seven and eight years old. So I'm out there doing oh. everything that the kids want to do. Are they... Boys, girls. Oh yes, I've got a girl who is in grade two, and a boy who is in grade three. And are they musical? Um, yeah, they're learning. I mean, they're little, but they're learning. Dad teaches them the piano because he's musical. Okay. And it's actually really beautiful, and they do dance class, both of them, um, and sport, and all the things you know that keeps you very, very busy. They yeah. learn to swim. That's next on our list. Well, they can swim, but they need to learn strokes. So, yeah, yeah it's a very crazy season for us. It's You're very, very busy. busy. Yeah, kids keep me busy. That's why I'm like, I got my puppies. You know, the, these two little ones are like puppies. Yes, they're your puppies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you one more thing before we close out, and um, that is where can people get your book? <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Uh, well, we're all over Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, I think Barnes and Noble. Yep. And at the Juilliard Bookstore. Oh, wonderful. So New Yorkers can pop in yeah. there. Yep. It just came out two months ago. Yes, it was. Hamlet's Mirror, it's called for everybody listening. Yes, <laughs> Hamlet's Mirror, yep. uh, reaching your performance potential on stage and off. Lovely. Yep. And you've got on there, it's. It is our artists, after all, who hold a mirror up to life, reflecting us all. 
Thank you. Beautiful. And well, by the way, this has been fun. Oh, good. I find this fun too. I mean, I feel honoured to get to chat to you and to have read your book. And, you know, it's definitely going to be one that I recommend to all the performers that I know. It's fantastic. Oh. I want to say congratulations to you on your, on your book. Because I know that it would have taken 30 years to write. Yeah. And all the wisdom that you've put in there. And thank you so much for your time. Well, well thank you for your time. And <laughs> hug those little ones. I will. That's thank fun. Thank yes. you. Thank you. Phew, today's masterclass is done. I love reaching back and saying I've done this and helping you learn the easy way. If you want more, head to larabiancapilcher.com for show notes, links, freebies, my blog, coaching and courses. And you can also head to my socials, larabiancapilcher on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also on Twitter and Pinterest. Thanks again for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That would mean the world to me and I'll give you a shout out. And of course, keep on living the healthy, wealthy, wise artist living towards your dream life. Bye, friends. Hey, on my Facebook, there is a healthy, wealthy, wise artist group made up of a tribe of artists seeking to live the healthy, wealthy, wise artist life. They ask each other questions and throw around ideas. You can join the Healthy Wealthy Wise Artist Community private Facebook group at Lara Bianca Pilcher on Facebook under groups. P.S. Shout out to my hottie hubby, Andrew Pilcher, who does all the editing on this podcast.